Welcome back to My First Kicks. So you know what to do. You better undies your favorite pair. And let's get into it. This week, my guest is Lois Sicani of The Snobette. She's been writing about the space that I've been talking about to you all for years now. And it was great chat that bounced around and touched many topics. So you're in for a treat. We also shared our love for Dave of Dave's Quality Meets. And at the very beginning of this podcast, you can hear the sadness of me not being able to get bacons. So, so uh, we can, before I, I go back into dwelling into that, um, I'm just going to jump into this week because this week has had some cool releases that dropped and also announced, you know, like that mustard yellow Jordan 4, which I'm pretty sure people are loving. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of just the box itself, if you've seen me on Twitter talking about it. So if you're hyped for that, I'm hyped for you. And we also have the 420 Dunks coming out next week, but I wanted to talk about it on this episode because I'm always hyped for every single 420 pair that comes out. And this one, the Maui Wowie, me not being a uh, pothead, uh, I don't know what the Maui Wowie does. So if you guys want to fill up the comments of uh, this specific post, then, you know, tell me about what the Maui Wowie, what cloud the Maui Wowie puts you on. And then we also have next week, we also have the Amam Manier. This is what I'm going to call them. Jordan threes. If you know what, if you know, you know how to say it. I mean, but it's a great Jordan three. I love Jordan threes. Uh, so check those out. And it's specifically a woman's drop. So if you have a significant other that you may be trying to get into sneakers, ah, little wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but this shoe might be it. And this shoe is all about empowering women like this episode. Um, but you know, we got to talk about my misses, right? Uh, this week I struck out on a, on the, the blue pair of Yeezy 500s and I am upset and I'm sure you remember Von P telling me all about how comfy the Yeezy 500s are on his episodes. So I tried to finally cave in and buy a pair of Yeezy 500s and during around this time, those frosted blue highs were coming out and they just pulled, pulled me in. And I was, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right. And I totally forgot that they were dropping on the 12 and I didn't get them because everywhere I tried to get them from just, just said that they were struck, uh, sold out. So it wasn't meant to be right. And this week for another miss, the Grinch has dropped to celebrate Kobe's 60 point performance. Like the shoe is amazing, but what's not amazing is the feeling of striking out twice on the same pair. I feel like Nike should be like, Hey, you missed out on the first pair. We're going to, we're going to stack the odds and help you out. Right? Psych. So enough of my sulking. How about we go on talk about where you can find Lois. You can find a Lois on all social medias as at Lois Sakani. That's S-A-K-A-N-Y. And you get you gotta check out the Snobbet. So hit up the snobbet.com. It's a great place, especially if you want to give hype beasts a break, because they cover everything that we love or everything that I'm trying to get you into. If you're just tiptoeing and you're listening to this, because I get I I put out some good content, you know what I mean? So just check out the website. Uh, it touches everything. So 
It's not like a sneaker news where it's just only sneakers. It touches everything from music, everything current. So give it a give it a shot. Give it a shot. Tell them I sent you. If you can tell them I sent you. And you know where to find your boy. I am at who is Haas. That's who is H-A-S-S. Maybe, maybe some people are struggling to find me. So how about we uh, spell it out? They're, they're, they're over here giving who is Haas with an O uh, in the Haas. Tons of follows when they're supposed to go to me. So <laughs> let me, let me just call that out. You know, just make sure you follow the podcast at my first kicks pod on all social medias. I'm trying to get back into TikToks. Uh, so give that get, but the TikTok is my first kicks. So give that a follow. I'm trying to get some more content out here for all y'all and hit up the link tree. The link tree is in the description. It's got everything. The one-stop shop. I should be putting out a new essentials. I know. I think I thought I, I definitely called it out that I'm putting one out last week. Did not happen because your boy swamped and I'm still looking for new intros and I'm looking for a producer. So hit your boy up. And just like I teased last week, I'm teasing it again. I got big news coming on the way. So, how about we just jump into it with Lois Hey, Lois, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. No, Appreciate I'm, it. I'm super excited to have you on. Um, I had to have you on because the Snobbet is such a great website to visit. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> no thank problem. You. Yeah, you recently held uh, a really interesting or part. Were you part of the room or you held the room? I always confused I the so. two. What was it about? Um, women and it was like women's sneakers versus... The topic was like women sneakers versus sneaker culture or something like that. That might not have been our room. Right. I may have like I may have said something. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we, I, I jumped in. I talked about like my love for the Bacons. And uh, even though it felt I felt like it, it went on deaf ears, I wanted to say <laughs> I wasn't able to get the Bacons. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great shoe um, yeah was that the room where there was somebody who was like i don't care about dave nobody like where i'm from like which i think was detroit he was like we don't care about dave ortiz yeah and, and like okay yeah <laughs> the guy was like <laughs> that person was like he was like oh yeah i've never heard of dave and i and then and then uh i think it was you yeah, it was you. You said I've interviewed Dave. Yeah, I did. And you were like, and you were like, people know about him, and people. If you don't, you should probably look him up. And yeah, I was I was secretly appalled because he's such a um, not really like I always I'm a you know I'm of two minds on everything, huh? So I'm always like, who cares? You know, mm-hmm. like it really truly doesn't matter, and and we're all gonna die anyway, mm-hmm. so. And then the other part of me is like, oh, David, Dave is such a dope individual and he's such a cool part of like the fabric of like New York sneaker culture. Mm -hmm. How could you not know about him? But, you know, I'm sure there's there's dudes from Detroit who are like that that I don't know about. You know, Detroit has a super dope style scene, too. So, you know. Yeah. And. I mean, I was I was appalled as well. I didn't. You didn't okay. hear me. You didn't hear me audibly, audibly <laughs> gasp. But, oh. but um, I used to. Uh, I mean, we before we jumped on, I would talk about like my time in high school a little bit, where I went to high school and and where I grew up. And but I used to uh, not every day of high school. It was towards the after after I graduated. I found Dave's Quality Meets. And mm. it's near by Washington Irving where I went to, to high school. And I used to walk mm. to Astor Place okay. a lot. So um, I remember 
like just finding it and be like, yo, I tell my friends and just be like, yo, there's a sneaker store that is based off a butcher shop. Do you, do you not? And then people are just like, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, I, th- I guess it's cool. I'm like, no, you do not understand this. They have shirts in a meat the, freezer. <laughs> yeah. No, that's Dave. He, yeah. Do you, okay. So can I tell a Dave story? No, not yet. You can't, we can't okay, <laughs> save okay. it for later. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But I mean, why don't we talk about you? Uh, okay. How about you introduce yourself to uh, my, pot, my my listeners? Okay, my name is Lois Caney, and I am a founder of Snobet, a women's streetwear sneaker style site. I founded it with Samia Grandpierre. And uh, yeah, we've been doing that since 2013. Mm -hmm. I also am a journalist and I cover the, um, you know, I've been writing about the sneaker space and and everything that sort of surrounds it for uh, like since the 90s, um, the late 90s, I want to say. Yeah, since like the late 90s. So yeah, I'm like, I feel like, I am like, I'm of sneaker culture. I, uh, but I don't know that like, I don't know when you're a journalist, you have a different sort of feel for things. Like Mm -hmm. you're almost sort of reporting on it and you're like almost outside the bubble looking in. It's weird. It's hard to describe. That's me. I totally get that. I totally get that. But since we started off there, why don't we jump into the question, the, the, the name of the podcast? what's your first kicks? What's that first pair of sneakers you absolutely needed to have? Okay. So I'm older. So Mm -hmm. my first sort of my first sneaker memory was in second grade. I, I was just, um, I was, uh, you know, young and I had a pair of like kids, you know, or whatever, like who knows what, maybe my mom didn't even get me kids Mm because, you know, we were a family of five and, and she was thrifty. Um, and I remember going in the bathroom and like sneaking in there so I could like uh, wash off like the little scuffs on them. So I think early on I had sort of like um, a mindset around my shoes and my sneakers that they should be pristine. And um, that was my first sort of sneaker memory. And I was young, right? I was like second grade, whatever that age is. Um, but the first like sort of memory I have of a branded sneaker and it having meaning, mm-hmm. I'm going to definitely age myself, but I was in an all girl punk band mm-hmm. and um, everybody else, there were like, there was basically two shoes people were wearing in those days. They were Doc Martens. I wore Stacey Adams for some unknown reason. Mm-hmm. That was my boot. And, um, Converse and you had, everybody had like two or three pairs in their closet and they were usually one or one of those. And my pair was gold. And I distinctly remember my Converse and I performed in them too. So that was the first shoe that kind of meant a lot to me and was, you know, uh, a sort of, a a badge of the of the of the punk subculture. Yeah, I mean, I had sure. a former guest on here, Daniel Nevetta. He talked about growing up in the punk scene a little bit as well, and you know, Converse's were the shoe. Like he he said that what he loved about punk culture was that like uh, the do the DIY. So like if if your shoe broke down, if your if your Converse broke down, he you would duct tape it. You would find a way to get you know, get it back together so that you can get some more wares into it. So that was a whole, like that came from the skateboard scene, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the skateboard scene ran was, you know, part of the punk scene. It was like a, you know, another sort of subculture and they intersected with each other and the skaters for sure. It was like a, a badge of competence and seriousness that your Converse were like covered in duct tape. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like in the early days of Nike SB, I remember because like I was when I was getting into it, I was big into skate culture. I've always been into skate culture. I love skate culture. Um, Soaps, it's the dope culture. Yeah, exactly. But like I, and I love SB. So like I got into SBs 
because mm-hmm. of skateboarding, but I could never get on a, a board. Like I, I would, I would try my, I remember, I remember, I, I remember, um, I, my best friend, shout out to Mars. I remember he would, he found this guy that he worked with. He was just like, yo, I asked him, he's going to teach us how to skateboard. And we were like 24 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I'm so shocked if you were into it in New York, like, you know, between Washington Square Park and Union Square, there are a lot of people just hanging out, Mm -hmm. dating and whatnot. You just what what kept you off the board? Just I'm just afraid to fall like that. I was I mean, that was like I I would get on it. Like so he (laughs) took us. We we went to um, we went to the skate park. uh, I think it's the Main Street skate park. That's like under the bridge. Um, uh, and so like we were there and he's just like, all right, man, here's my board. I just want you to do this. And he's just like, he's teaching us how to get on it. So we were getting on it. And and I just remember my friend, my my friend pulls up and he he comes up and he's just like, and I'm just like, I'm like, I'm wearing SBs, but I'm wearing like my beater SBs because I know I'm like, sure. we're, gonna, we're about to scuff these up. And he comes yeah. in, he's just like fresh pair of SBs. I'm like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> but that was did like, you, did you did you get on the board at least? I got on the board. It was the it was the moving part. It made me feel uneasy, like uneasy. Interesting. Yeah. And so like, I'm not really. So even in basketball, because I grew up playing basketball, but like right. the whole keeping my knees bent, <laughs> keeping my knees bent thing that you have to do even in shooting. Like I can't do that. So like, that's the basically how, what you have to do on the board. You always have to have your knees bent and I can't. Sure. I, yeah. Yeah. No, you can't be all like, you, you. yeah, you can't be straight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what is, what is, uh, what did you ever have a memory of like you, like you kicked, you killed your, your converses and you had to like put them back together? Uh, no. Cause I, I mean, I did skateboard back in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't skateboard like that. Like I could skateboard down the street and whatnot, but I couldn't do like a kickflip or anything fancy. So mm-hmm. no, like I wasn't, I mean, even like, I, you know, all sports are pretty male centered, but back in those days, like the, like where the guys were skating and whatnot, you just, there was really no women doing it. Very rare. Right. Yeah. It was the, uh, the male dominated sports, a male, yep. male eccentric sport. And then you have like, yeah. you know, Aly- Alyssa Steamer and, uh, like, like during that time in the rise when Tony mm. Hawk was coming out, I mean, she mm. was the one that got the most love because she was actually in the game. Um, but it's like when you see a girl or a female or a woman, sorry, I always don't know which, which way to go with the, the word. I, but. Hey, I, the way. <laughs> like, I have no problem using the word female because uh-huh. it's an actual word. Right. It's not, you know, and I really hate that. Like it fucks with my head that I don't know. Like I'm like, people that I like are like, you shouldn't use the word female. And I'm like, really? Like, why not? You know? Um, but, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> but I mean, I was like, yeah, you'd see women on, on uh, a skateboard and you'd be like, Oh, does she really know how to skate? And then yeah. you see her pull out a kickflip. You're like, okay, okay, okay. But like, <laughs> but like yeah. Um, so like, as you were, you know, growing up, were sneakers very relevant in your time or did you like, were you, were you, did you start off starting to pique your interest in getting sneakers uh, uh, or, um, you know, later I, on. Not, like, yeah, it was, it was much later. Like I said, like, to be honest, like, again, you're interviewing people who are younger and it, you know, historically people should understand that like, until the nineties sneakers weren't dominant like the way they are now. I understand Mm -hmm. that they mattered and people were wearing them and, um, and all that, but it's like, like now they've taken over the landscape and they've taken over the landscape globally. Like Mm -hmm. they are just so damn dominant. And, um, and I don't say that in a derogatory manner, but like there were times previously where, you know, um, 
life didn't begin and end with what sneakers you were wearing. So it wasn't really, like I said, until like, um, like sometime in the nineties, I would say, like, I can remember, um, I have a son Mm -hmm. and in the mid nineties, I remember going to Fulton Plaza with my two, um, good friends, um, one of whom is my son's godmother. Do you remember Fulton? Mm-hmm. Where it was, was it like, did you ever visit there? Mm, I mean, there was, I, so when I would go, cause I used to, I went to city tech. I don't know if you know where city tech is. No, it's, it's right by Fulton street, that whole plaza. Like you Got can it. walk to it. So when, right. when I would go on lunch, we would go and walk there and over there you'd have the jewelry stores that are half sneaker stores. Like with Pradas, yeah. Like, I'm assuming those were fake Pradas, right? I'm assuming they were fake sneakers too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I used to, I like that. I didn't. So I mean, I'm one of these people that uh, uh that these one of these New Yorkers that I stayed in my borough for as long as possible. Sure. So once Makes I finally, sense. yeah, my mom was always just like, "Don't go to Brooklyn" or "Don't go to yeah. the Bronx." Like so, when I finally yeah, went to Brooklyn, I went. I like. I, like I visited the the Fulton Plaza. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, your mom is old school. Like that is an old school New York mentality. Like mm-hmm. people, you know, you know, stay in your neighborhood, stay in your block. It was much more tribal back then. You like you didn't wander into other neighborhoods and places and things like that. I'm sure that's something she, you know, she felt like. You know, by the time you were going to high school and living in Manhattan, I'm mm-hmm. sure. The, things were changing, things were shifting, but your mom probably was carrying that with her from her own. Did your mom grow up in Brooklyn? No, she's actually an immigrant from Brazil, and then oh. she she moved to America. And I think she lived it. She she lived in New York for since like the the start of no the mid eighties, and then okay. I was born eighty eight. Okay, so you're first generation. That's what's mm-hmm. up. Yes, the powerful first gen. <laughs> That's um, me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I always just, I always find, I feel like with New York is like, without first gens, New York is like washed. Mm-hmm. Like you guys are, I think, so important to the culture. Um, yeah, so I started going to Fulton. Um, I wanted my my son's godmother, English. Um, she wanted to get him a pair of Jordans, Mm -hmm. um, as a baby present. They were like crib Jordans. Uh, they were a black and red pair. They were like 60 bucks. And our friend Suzanne was like, fuck no, you cannot spend that on Jordans. Mm -hmm. You know, like she thought it was insane. (laughs) Like get him something that you actually need. Cause you know, I was extremely poor at the time. I, uh, was, I raised him completely by myself. And at the time it was actually on welfare mm-hmm. or Wufrido as we called it back then. Yeah, my friend told me that. Wufrido and foodies oh, and my. food stamps. I know. Oh my God. Anyway. Um, yeah. So she was adamant that we not get him those Jordans. So I, uh, you know, I was like, okay whatever. You're right. Like she was like, get him like a gate. So he doesn't fall down the stairs. That's what you actually need. So I, I didn't get the Jordans um, oh, for him. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I would say sneakers started to be more on my radar in the nineties. I mean, I remember going to, I used to be a nanny actually. Mm-hmm. And I took him with me. That's why I was like, I, I, I'm not going to have this kid by myself and then just put him in daycare. So let Mm -hmm. me get this job where I can take him with me. And um, we had like a matching pair of like uh, Reebok, like sort of retro running type shoes. So Mm -hmm. those like that, that was like the first, you know, and then like I got into Puma. Um, I actually did like this little sort of sneaker style fanzine. Mm -hmm. And I dug it up for this interview because me and my friend Kelvin, 
um, we went sneaker shopping on Broadway oh, okay. and, we, and, and I transcribed like our whole conversation about, um, about sneakers. Uh-huh. And in the conversation, like one of the first things I say, and it's like weird, like when I look back on it I'm like, who the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> cause I, I go, you know, by the way, Kelvin, I don't like Nikes. <laughs> um, and yeah. Right? That's how it starts. And, yeah, no, let me see. Let me look. I said, um, he was wearing a pair of cross trainers. Um, and yeah, I mean, not too far into the exchange. I said, I don't buy Nikes, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why? Because they use slave labor. And I said, no, it's just they're too popular. Um, so I, I think that that's often sort of informed my choices too. like, mm-hmm. I never wanted to get something that was so overwhelmingly, um, like everybody was wearing it, but I mean, yeah. that's shifted. I have to say, like, I, you know, Nike spends like seven or 800 million a quarter on what demand creation spending. And mm-hmm. they, they've gotten in my head, you know, like I now wear lots of nikes you know yeah i mean i i get that sentiment i guess when i was growing up it was definitely of a I was like, oh, I can't wear the same sneakers. Like, if I'm going to get one pair of sneakers a year or two, if mm-hmm. I'm lucky, I can't right. be wearing the same sneakers that everybody else is wearing. Okay. So you had that mindset a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. But like, By the way, I mean, mm-hmm. can, I, can I ask you, what was your first of sneaker? Okay, <laughs> what was it? The, my, first, my first pair of kicks is uh, a pair of khaki SBs. That's what I consider it my yeah. first pair of kicks. That's my, my what's first, up. That's yeah. impressive. And uh, it was, but this is because, it, like, so growing up, my mom made me pick. It's either clothes, like you can get clothes, but mm. like you get the one pair of clothes for the year, basically. Like you would go mm. shopping, spend a couple hundred, and so we would get clothes. But it's gonna be clothes or video games. So I would have to make the barter and f- figure out ways to be like, okay, I can save up enough money to buy this game that's coming out so I could be relevant with the games or do I have to stick with the fashion trend? And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to just, you know, stay, save the money and I just keep with the games. And then when I get to my first job, which happens to end up being at GameStop, <laughs> so I didn't have to buy games anymore. Oh my god! Wow. And so I didn't have to buy games anymore. So I would just buy sneakers, and my first pair of kicks were a pair of khaki SBs because I was always I've always wanted a pair of SBs. I, like when they first started coming out, and then I was I was just like I couldn't get them, but I was already trying to entrench myself within the. Wait, sneaker why community. couldn't you get them? Because I didn't have money. I only had money for I oh. like I yeah. I, I, this is before I had my first job. So, yeah. Got it. And then, yeah. yeah. And so where did you get that pair of khaki SBs? On uh, Skate Park of Tampa, the, the website. Oh, you bought them online? I even. bought them online, yeah. I wasn't how, able to go into a store and get them. And, like, what was the, like, how long did it, did they sell out immediately? Did you casually no. go there a day after they launched? Like- <laughs> so I think I, you're making me remind myself about this. So uh, I, I remember uh, I started that job. And as I'm like working, like every day I'd go at like at night, and like I'll just look it up and I'll have the pair like mm. on, on the homepage the entire mm-hmm. week. So that I like when I go, when I finally get my first check, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy these right now. And then, then, yeah, I was, but yeah, I mean, I I do, I get like, I'm, what I really want to stop saying is back in my day, these were easier to get. Like, I'm trying to get rid of that because I feel like it becomes a thing of just like, we just become very bitter towards all the the L's that we're taking every day on sneakers. So I, I always want to sort of, um, each generation is allowed to have their own stories and mm-hmm. each generation's story is valid, you know? So I never will, would be like, oh my God, it, never. I'm not a, like, I'm the opposite of nostalgic. So mm-hmm. you, you will not catch me like 
like you know what I'm you know what I'm saying like every gen- every generation need like deserves to feel like their generation is dope in some way right. or another you know mm-hmm. but yeah so that was that was, I get like I didn't I've after I jumped I jumped into the SB craze at that time yeah. on on mm-hmm. the khakis and I was the only one wearing them like you'd be like oh yeah I'm into SBs but then you'd be like I'd be like oh yeah but I and I got the khaki SBs and nobody wanted them so I was able to get them pretty easy. Oh, like how yeah. many days were they, they up on the site for? They were like, I, I I don't remember when they dropped, but I remember like I was able to get them, I think, within like two or three weeks of them just sitting there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> but um, so then I got a question for you. Okay. What what is the what made you jump into street culture or streetwear culture? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was, to be honest, like this is going to sound a little bit weird, but like in some ways I feel like um, for like somewhat Forrest Gump-ish that Mm -hmm. like I have always had sort of an affinity to subcultures, right? And I was into punk, I was in a punk band, um, I skateboarded, and then I started getting into um rap music right mm-hmm. um like in the late 80s and then into the 90s um i went to some you know uh, you know some like giant step was a big hip hop party in the 90s and nels and um all those kinds of places and the, you know i feel like street wear and urban wear and all that stuff are all sort of extensions of those cultures, right? Mm -hmm. It's become sort of like a mashup of, um, of all those different cultures. Um, so I just have stayed interested in, I would say subcultures, Mm -hmm. um, and whether they're music or style or fashion, and it's getting a little weird because I am realizing that these are no, you know, these are global cultures now and they're mm-hmm. not subcultures. They're like taking over the world. Yeah. Like even like major fashion houses are scrambling to hire like whatever Kanye adjacent um, designer they can find, you know, yeah. Virgil at Louis Vuitton, not to say Virgil isn't extremely deserving because I think he is, but you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. the guy, too, as Givenchy, what's his name? I always forget his name. Elix just, guy. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? I don't he has think the so. label. Okay. He has the label A L Y X or whatever. You know who he is because he does sneakers with Nike sometimes. Uh, uh, it's it sometimes. Oh, now I'm gonna have to look this up. Let me see. Yeah. <laughs> The but I mean yeah I totally get what you're saying, um, the with the subcultures and it becoming uh Matthew Matthew M Williams thank you there we go thank you <laughs> but I actually don't know <laughs> who that is too, oh that's wild yeah. and then um and then too even Jerry Lorenzo mm-hmm. is comes like he was in Kanye's orbit for a minute not. But again, I, maybe that's a little bit different because I think he was in he was in Kanye's orbit, orbit then and then out. But I've heard that you know Kanye's invested money in his. Um, I thought he was. Um, I thought he was recruited under the Donda. Uh, like all these guys are under Donda. Were under Donda at one point. Okay, so you all right? Fine. I then yes. I I, I my impression with Jerry was he was a little bit more. His time in that space was shorter, but I guess yeah, it doesn't matter. He's still yeah. there. It's, it's definitely like the Kanye cosign because you're just like, yeah. oh yeah, let me yeah, get these. Huge. Yeah, huge. Um, so then, speaking of cosign, what mm. what kind of cosign? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to I don't know how to pivot this. What, what cosigns that um, for getting into? Oh well, actually, the the cosign I'm looking for is that yeah. the 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 day's quality meat story. Let's jump mm. into that one. Okay. Well, I mean, first of all, Dave, like 
I think he's super famous for being like out, like an out there creative. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things he told me about that particular location that he chose is um, he, in, the reason he chose it is like he would he he knew about the availability of the location mm-hmm. and he would sit on a curb like all day long and count the number of people walking by just so he could get a sense of like what kind of um, just uh, street traffic that the the place had the potential to draw. Mm-hmm. So he, um, you know, there was a side of him that was sort of like maniacally number oriented. And, and he knew, too, that there was like some hotel opening up there and that that was going to bring foot traffic. So there was a part of him that was super duper number oriented. And I was assigned to profile the store. Mm-hmm. So that's one story. So I was assigned to profile a store by Footwear News. Like Footwear News is like very traditional footwear magazine. And back then they were even more traditional. Like I feel like they've just caught on to sneaker culture in the Mm -hmm. past two years, to be honest. And um, they assigned me to do a profile of the store because it had just opened. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and um, Dave and Chris were both there. And... um, all they had were the t-shirts and I think at the time they had like a bunch of Nike shoes Mm -hmm. and that was it like nothing else. And I, they said they were working on opening up a Vans account (laughs) and I was like, okay, that sounds cool to me. Like I didn't think anything of it because I had already profiled, um, um, a life. Oh, okay. And A Life, yeah, they were like one of the first sneaker stores in New York, period, right? And like the whole concept to me, it just clicked in my mind. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so I didn't even I didn't question Dave. Why would I? Like he just Dave and Chris seemed like like there was no reason to question that mm-hmm. that setup. Um, and however, I turned the story in and they Footwear News got in touch with me and they were like, wait. How could how could he only have one brand? Like, how is that even possible? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And I had to like go back and do like additional sort of reporting and checking. And they did too. Like, they were really freaked out by the idea that there was only one single Nike brand in there. And I think subsequently I discovered you know, with his complex podcast that um I don't even think that was like a Nike account. No, I yeah, I was, was just going to say. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he talks about it in his his in that podcast. Hopefully one day I get him on this on this podcast as well. But yeah. Oh, he, that would be so awesome. He talked about um, that he would get Nike's shoes shipped overseas. Right. And then they would just break down the boxes and build the boxes back right. up. And then they would sell them, <laughs> which is the craziest <laughs> thing. He was just like, you know what? I'm gonna get like he's basically resell. He was reselling. Yeah. That was not uncommon. You mm. know, the store that like people sort of knew who had actual Nike accounts and who didn't. Mm-hmm. And the store that sold the uh, the Newport shoe, the uh, yeah, the menthol, the menthol tents. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the store, but they didn't have a Nike account. They were just selling backdoor shoes. So. Um, not everybody had an account and people were aware of who did and who didn't. But it's hilarious that Dave was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to will this into being, you know, he was yeah. that he's, he's, he is that kind of individual. He's got that sort of magical thinking, which is such a dope quality, you know, where you just make things happen by force of will. Dave's it, quality it, brains. Yeah, no, I hope he comes on your podcast too. I think you two would like each other. He's a dope individual. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Um, I've only, I think I've only spoken to him twice, I think. Okay. It, yeah, because like like I said, I used to go there like every day. He needs to be a third time. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but I, I'm very curious, how did you get into writing about streetwear? Were you just like forced to be like, hey, we want you to just write this on Oh, right on this or? or? Oh, absolutely not. Uh Absolutely not. Like, again, like, um, I wanted to be a writer full time, you know, um, I had my son, it was hard because 
um, you know, I, I was just by myself. I was like scraping by with yeah. my Wilfredo. Mm-hmm. And um, shout out to Wilfredo. Yes, <laughs> shout out to Wilfredo. Uh, and, you know, I pursued like a- any writing opportunity I could get. And mm-hmm. so I wrote about a lot of different weird things. But as soon as I could sort of like, be more sort of specific about what I wanted to write about and who I wanted to write for. I was writing about things that were subculture related. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I have like a little East village um, guide that was put together and I was responsible. They was like restaurants, clubs, and I was responsible for reviewing all the, um, East Village boutiques. Mm-hmm. Um, like I interviewed, um, what was that boutique? Triple Triple Five Soul. Mm. Like I went to her store and I interviewed her and um, and a few other stores that were on that block. So those were those. You know, that was my beat, and that was what I was always interested in. And um, I tried to get a full time job, like at Women's Wear Daily and whatnot, but they were like. No, we don't like, you know, they had, they had like a type back then and like, I was not the type. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I just, you know, I, I, I just little by little, I built up a freelance career. So, um, yeah, that's amazing. And you know, yeah, no, again, I like, when I look back, I'm like, okay, you that you you weren't behaving in a logical manner because I remember it was <laughs> I mean I was offered like a full-time teaching like let's be clear I wasn't like freelancing full-time I was mm-hmm. doing a m- number of jobs and one of them was substitute teaching mm-hmm. and um they offered me a full-time job and my friend was like you should take that okay you need to have a job. You have a kid. And I was like, eh, if I do that, I'm going to be teaching the rest of my life. And that is not what I want to be doing. So, I mean, I love that. Like you, you definitely put your, your best interest forward instead of being <laughs> like, instead of just being like, you know what? I can settle and just do like this mundane job that I don't even know if I'm going to be a hundred percent into it. Like, like that's, yeah. You know, you 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 went after your goals like you, yeah. you know, like you set the bar for yourself. And I think that's that's very admirable. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I always wonder, like I was just listening to some podcast about free will, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, how much of that is just that, you know, the genetics and things like that. Who knows? But um, because, yeah, you know. I mean, I think it's more, it's definitely about a conversation of, of ambition. Cause a lot of people, and I, I mean, it's also luck as well. Cause like, you know, some people are just definitely. born into, yeah, you know, some people are born into some really bad situations, but oh like, my God. you know, it, yeah, perseverance no. and like ambition, like, you know, as long as nothing, nothing stifles your goals and you want to get out of this situation or you want to better your situation or, or get to the higher yourself to be a, a higher, um, clo- or closer to like what you see for yourself, then, you know, it, it all, it all takes a, uh, how much you can just keep pounding the pavement to get to where Correct. you want to be, you know? Correct. Yeah, no, luck is 90%. I mean, just the fact that I was born in, you know, the suburbs of New Jersey and I had like a pretty, you know, I played in the woods as a kid mm-hmm. versus, you know, I was the president of a youth baseball league and some of our kids were like first generation Dominican kids, a lot of them. And one of them, you know, at three years old, his, um, I want to say his uncle came into the apartment Mm -hmm. and shot his father in front of him and his mom and him had to climb out of the fire escape and escape. So yeah, like if you think that my upbringing versus his upbringing, you know what I mean? Like there's so much of it is like zip code for sure. And I'm, I'm very, I feel very lucky in that respect. You know, you know Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're a kid that grew up in New York, so you know how it can be, it can be rough out there. No. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, as my, like my mom being an immigrant, like I would have to, I would see my, my, my family members. Like I, it's only me and my mom here. So like Mm. we'd go to, we'd go to Brazil 
And like, I would see how they're living. Like you're just living on the side of a mountain type of status. So, yeah, you know, you you count your blessings as as much as possible. And then did you you do you speak Portuguese? A little bit. I I can. Falo conmigo, huh? <laughs> That's it. That's all I know. That's all I know. <laughs> uh. now, I, now I feel exposed, but okay. Not to blame. But the, uh. the, I mean, you know, it, when I looked at, and speaking of Brazil, actually, you know, like there's one set of, uh, which, which is crazy to me is just like, there's how how sneakers have also just crossed borders as well, because during the time where I was collecting SBs, SBs mm-hmm. made it to Brazil where they have their own Brazil mm. custom series that are like grails to me. Cause I wasn't able to get them because mm. they only came out in Brazil. Um, which is, it's just like, like it, just reading about that and just being like, wow, they, these are based off of just, you know, the SBs and, and it's, and, That's and, intense. Where yeah. do the like where do like are they even gettable at this point? Or? Uh no. At this okay. point, I'm just gonna say no. <laughs> wow. There okay. was like, I think there's like nine pairs total. <gasps> like nine nine nine, nine styles. Yeah, nine okay. styles. My bad. And then uh and like they're all different artists that different Brazilian artists, and yeah, it's crazy. That is a grail. Mm-hmm. Big time grail. I remember trying to be like. I wanted to be like, hey, I was like, I remember I went to my mom and I was just like, mom, I really want these sneakers. Do you think one of my cousins can go to the city and try to get it and get it? She goes, are you crazy? And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I'll just give them money. It's fine. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Did you have to, did, like, was your first language Portuguese or, or was it English growing no, up? No, English, but. It was. Okay. Yeah. And my house, though, we would speak, port- like, my mom would only speak Portuguese to me. That's just, what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Like, as a baby, your first language was Portuguese? No, it's still English. She still talks to me because yeah. my I'm half Bangladesh, so my dad would speak to me in English. And oh, so, that yeah. is wild. Yeah. Wow. You have a great like mix. Look at that. That's, that's, that's not, people must sat and have no idea what you are. No, you are a hundred percent correct. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how many times I get like, oh yeah, this dude's Dominican. And I have people coming up to me, but like, oh, tigre, tigre. and I'll just be like, all right, man. <laughs> I'm not Brazilian. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the make. I'm Brazilian, but take it easy. That is wild. Yeah. That's New York though. New York, I feel like is one of the few places where, you know, you pass someone on the street and you're like, I don't know what that person is and I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of times I think that the, you know, you just accept the fact that in New York, there's so many different mixes and faces and whatnot. Like I, I, I think that contrast to some cities in America where it's more sort of like you're either white or you're brown, you know? Right. Is, yeah. Do you think that's correct or not? Because I'm I, saying this is. I think it's correct. You know, like I, I've been to uh, like other st- other states, and it's a totally different experience when people are just looking at you. I mean, I'm I'm one of the people that just like I don't know if a lot of I guess people people of per, per, people of color do this, but I always count and check if I'm the only dark skinned person in in wherever I'm at. You know, like I I do Makes that, sense. I do those things, sure. and and mm-hmm. uh, like getting a job, I'd be like, okay, let me see if I'm the only dark skinned person <laughs> at the job. Like, <laughs> you know, absolutely, you do that head check. I am sure of that. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think it, it's just. That is is something you you grow up with. But even though mm-hmm. in the uh, mel- the melting pot that's the 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 New York is, um, mm-hmm. I grew up with around a lot of Hispanic kids, mm-hmm. and so like I I would consider myself like oh I'm just entrenched in Hispanic culture. I'm right. gotta be some sort of Hispanic. Like so, but I don't think you know a. The way it is out of New York is definitely like you you see it now more in the news and you know mm-hmm. how people are just very like you're either black or white or or mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. there is no like there's no there's no like uh I there's a, like neighborhoods uh, in certain areas that can help you know culturalize it it's either like you know so like some people just treat it as just like oh no this is wrong like they're trying to invade and you know that's 
that's that's that's what gets perceived as like uh like oh we have to be cautious or we have to move a different a different way or else they're going to take over so yeah when you say they who who is they i to be honest i think it's just people who aren't subsective sub, aren't uh, acceptive of uh like Accepting of okay yeah oh like so in outside of new york you there are more communities would you say this is i would I, like white communities feel more threatened by i mean a majority yeah for sure i would okay. i would agree with that but i also yeah. have seen like just people who just are confused like you you get moved into like you can be like from india move into like arkansas and then they're just like Oh, this is my culture now. I have to entrench mm. myself into this, mm. and then they become unaccepting of anybody else. Okay. Yeah. So they go from Indiana to Arkansas. India. India to Arkansas. Yeah. So you get. And then what happens when they go to Arkansas? They they become one with Arkansas. Yeah, like if you know, like if they're just like like washed, brainwashed on on that because you gotcha. you want to fit in, so you do what you can to fit in. Right. Yeah. I, I, oh, I could see that for sure. Whereas yeah. in New York, you can feel like, oh, I, I can dip in and out of this. Like, yeah, can, exactly. Can, you right, can because okay. like, you know, what's 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 so great about New York is is that you can find uh, a piece of your country in in some borough that you live in or another borough that you can go to. Like, I, I remember just being like with my dad and, and like my dad would take me to a place in queens i did not know existed but it's literally nothing but bangladesh people there right, <laughs> right. yeah yep yep it's true i mean my last name is hungarian and mm-hmm. even even though the like there's there was like a hungarian section of the upper east side you know so yeah you can always find your little like home base if yeah. you want to go there definitely um so yeah speaking of home base huh, what got you into I mean, hard pivot here, but what got you into into <laughs> writing and making your own, like uh, collaborating and making your own website on, you know, well, uh, okay, so culture. I was doing a blogger blog, um, and again, a lot of times I was covering these kind of topics like sneakers and whatnot. And this woman, I think her name is Julie Frederick. Fredericton, she was mm-hmm. big on like the blogging scene back then, which was really just being born. And she said that um, High Snobiety was looking to create a women's sneaker. I think back then they called them magazine. Mm-hmm. Like, they were like a sub blog within that was hosted on the blog. And she wanted to know if I wanted to do it with her with, you know, High Snobiety. And I was like, sure. And um, it was called chicks with kicks or kicks with chicks. Julie came up with that name. She was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, we should do something. I thought like, even then I was like, that's kind of whack, but okay. (laughs) I'll just go with the flow. (laughs) And, um, Julie dropped out pretty quick. She just wasn't really contributing. And I brought in Samia, um, very early on. She just commented, Mm -hmm. Uh, that was before like high snobiety at one point got rid of comments because right. they were just too out of pocket and they couldn't manage them. So we did uh, high snobets. It got changed to high snobet, I you know, for a good five or six years or so. Maybe I forget when exactly we partnered with them. Mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. I remember the, I remember when it came out. I was like, oh, snap, let's go. Yeah. High snobet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, we, I mean, that was, that was a wild experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was the sort of early days of streetwear blogging and streetwear coverage. And um, it was super fun. And um, I feel like that blog definitely sort of created a little, you know, it was like its own little foundational blog. Yeah. And especially as it relates to women's too. So that was how, um, and then, oh, and then High Snobiety, um, this was before they got their funding. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they were at a point where they're like, we're not making much money, to be honest. And we got to figure out a way to streamline this. So they just brought all of the blogs in-house. 
Um, so selectism, you know, that became high snobiety mm-hmm. and high snobet. They cho- chose to discontinue. They did not let us take our URL with us. We uh-huh. wanted to. And at first they were like, yeah, but then in the end they were like, nah, it's too similar. And mm-hmm. so we had to, you know, we had to start over with snobet and that was in 2013. Ah, uh, what and that was, that was a tough slog at first. Yeah. Trust me. I was going to say, like, you know, do you use, with the creation of, I don't know how, how recent it was, but Hype Bay, uh, the female version of Hype Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like taking the, uh, do you feel like that, that was just like kind of like they took the idea or do you feel like that they just felt they filled the need that you guys kind of like with High Snobiety taking away High snob- Snobet? Like they were just like, oh, let's just jump in right now. Like they were like, let's get in there. I, I mean, I think there was a good. I, I think there was a good three year time mm-hmm. between high snub by high, between high snubbet going away and mm-hmm. high bay coming on board. I think they looked at the market and they were like, oh, there's a need for this, um, and we can make some money from this. And I mean, I think that it was like very much a calculation that because you know um you you might not remember this but for a little period of time they had a kids blog too oh yeah so, yeah 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 so i think for hype beast because now hype beast is a publicly traded company mm-hmm. you know i think they were like how can we um just create more money streams whether it's you know through their platform of selling clothing and whatnot and you know they're a big um media partner yeah like so like there's so much pay to play going on with them that you know it makes perfect sense i think i envy their sort of the one thing i like about hype beast is that they are meticulous in coverage right like Mm -hmm. there's uh even though coverage has become so hard right there's just so much to cover you you still have you have to edit but i think hype beast does a great job of coverage like Mm -hmm. it's relentless um, I think Hype Bay does a good job of coverage, but as always, when uh, something like is like when you have a male owned property and they're trying to um, cover something that matters to women, they sometimes struggle to do it in a way that feels authentic and resonates. It's very, I, you know, I think. I think speaking to women is much more complicated than speaking to men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could go into the reasons why, but I won't. But yeah, I mean, I think they have a place and a purpose. Um, I wish we had their resources because, uh, you know, I think we would do a better job. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think I think with what little we do, it's the quality and the authenticity is is just better it's obviously like i will say this like you know we had a conversation on um uh clubhouse Mm -hmm. about telfar and guests like guests copying telfar's logo and i just you know i don't see a platform like that duplicating that kind of conversation no yeah i mean clubhouse is definitely i don't know i don't i don't it it it, goes up and down and be like, okay, this is like a really cool thing. Cause you get to see, yeah. you know, but then there's also moments you'd be like, all right, I can't, I think I'm going to give this a rest. Like I've been off of it right. for like a couple of days. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm missing out on some good conversation, but like, you know, people try to, I, I feel like, I feel like the app is becoming more about like people trying to leverage their green power and you're just being like, you know, hey, yeah, I'm a mod now, blah, blah, blah. You got to listen to me and I'm not going to let you up or blah, blah, blah. But yes, you know, yes, I, I that's a frustrating thing for me. I um, I'm relatively new to the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we did that Telfar thing, um, I was at towards the end. I was like, all right, well, does anybody else want to raise their hand and ask a question? And I found out afterwards that the um the questions were limited to those who were following the um whatever you know that right. like 
And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. Like, like the whole fact of the whole aspect of tiering where certain people get to talk, certain people get to raise their hand. I don't like that. That, that doesn't sit well with me. And I don't know how that is going to, I think that impacts, I think that impacts the way people feel about the site. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, it's all about like, if, 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 if we're going to have this conversation, then I feel like, you know, you need to have as many sides as possible in the conversation or else you're not going to get a full 360 view of what, how many people are, are feeling about this one subject that we're talking about, you know? Yeah. It's just also, let's give other, let's give other people a chance to come up and just say something, even if it's not the best thing, you know, mm-hmm. let, let people get a chance to practice talking and have, you know, getting their thoughts out there. Yeah. Um, so with have you ever interviewed anybody that they made you go through like a bunch of hurdles to get to them Mm, i mean like you know specifically an individual no not really or you know sometimes an individual will be like Oh, sorry. I just saw this. They like they won't give you a straight no. Uh huh. Like they'll be. Oh, I saw that email. I'm sorry, I missed. I'm like, oh, we're we're still gonna be doing this if you want to do it in a like. And then you don't hear from them. But I will say this. Like just a. This is the first story that leaped to mind when I was assigned by a story to cover what Nike was planning to do for one of the Olympics in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were notorious back then. They would make you jump through a bunch of hoops to talk to their press person. And um, like, send me this. Like, okay, well, now actually you have to ask this person. I think their whole process is much more streamlined now and less myster- mysterious. But back then they would make you jump through a bunch of loops, mm-hmm. hoops. And in the end, they said, you know what? Um, because the, uh, the idea of the article was that you ask each athletic brand to comment on their what their plans are for the Olympics. And everybody did. And then in the end, Nike was like, we're actually not going to provide any comment. We don't see the value in putting our ideas out there in advance of an event. And um, yeah, so even then they were really super arrogant. Like it's like... A, a trait they've always had yeah um and footwear news they were so angry about <laughs> it they were so mad and uh they never did like they like they took matters into their own hands and were like tried to bargain for something but nike stood firm and was like nope not <laughs> not, not telling you shit sorry nike's gonna nike Oh, yes, 100%. They are consistent in that respect. Well, I like to ask everybody at the end of the podcast, um, what does the thrill of the hunt mean to you? Uh, The thrill of the hunt. I mean, I'm going to say just when I I believe in the thrill of the hunt because I'm a journalist, right? Mm -hmm. And And from the thrill of the hunt for me is talking to engaging with a, a source and um, just finding out like a juicy piece of information. I, there's nothing I live for more than having a scoop that I can be the fir- first to, to report to the world. So that's, that's really the thrill of the hunt to me, just um, uncovering uh information that hasn't been made public before i just uh, that's that's thrilling to me um i feel like unfortunately in sneakers it the thrill of the hunt has been just is no longer in existence because of resale platforms mm-hmm. um am i wrong about that is there like I, you know i think there is still a thrill of the hunt to me okay um like there's still you're still able when it comes to SBs, you're still able to be like, all right, I have to go to the store and try to get mm, it, you know. Um, yeah. But then there's also I mean, I grew up in the age of going on eBay, putting in SB and just <laughs> going through every single page. Yeah. Uh, now it's a lot more broader. You literally have to put Nike now because because you have to think like somebody who doesn't know what they have. 
And it's so much harder, especially when eBay pushes stuff to the forefront of the pages. And right. like you get the promoted post as well. And you're just like, mm. no, I don't want to pay $700 for a freaking pair of whatever. Like, you know, so there are still thrills. There are still hunts to find your thrill in, in the sneaker world. It's just, you know, you got to be okay with, you know, taking all the losses on the new stuff. So, yeah. I think, too, I also get a big thrill out of like I'm always looking on Instagram and Twitter for, you know, new designers. Mm -hmm. And um, like if I can find something super dope and they're brand new and nobody knows about it and there's, you know, like and I can again, like I I like to be like more. Yeah, it goes back to that. Remember what I said in my little fanzine? You know, I'm not I don't like Nike. Um, it goes back to like having that item that sort of stands out a little bit and makes more of a statement for sure. I mean, you're making a statement right now with that Chinatown market, not Chinatown no, no. market, uh, cactus plant. Uh, I wore this for you. I wore this for you. <laughs> I'm dope. glad you noticed. Finally. <laughs> this is such a dope uh, rugby that you have on right yes, now. Yes, um, yes. That nobody can see while listening to this. But. Look it up, y'all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but let everybody know where to find you. Uh, definitely snobbet.com, mm-hmm. the snobbet on Instagram. And e- even though Clubhouse sucks sometimes, come and join our snobbet, snobbet Clubhouse. Because our, club, our clubs never suck, mm-hmm. ever. They're the best. Never. And you'll be finding me in there as well. okay yes yes thank you so much it's been really fun talking to you no thank um, you david should so do your podcast like have you dm'd him yet i did i did he said he's gonna listen to the listen to the podcast david do his podcast (laughs) hopefully hopefully Uh, but (laughs) as we as we end every episode wear your kicks peace indeed